stick. So I want to just carry on with something I've been talking the last few weeks, really. And it's about extravagant love. And we've been talking, really, about, I suppose, the importance of just receiving a revelation of God's love for us. Just allowing that, that, that revelation of God's love, because it's the revelation of God's love, it kind of awakens love in your heart. That's what it's about, really. The more I realise, the more I recognise, the more revelation of, I get of God's love for me, it awakens a love in my heart. And what we've been looking at over the last few weeks is, is that God is looking for passionate lovers. And I don't believe we can ever be the kind of passionate lovers that God wants us to be until we've got a revelation of his love for us. And that awakens our hearts. And it creates in us a passionate love for him. His heart themselves has been awakened of his passionate love for them. So I want to speak really this morning of having a passionate love for God. How do we love God with a passion? Let's look at this verse, Matthew 22, verse 36 that we've been looking at. And I really want to really, if you like, just take this verse in a, in a, in a deeper way and look at it. And how we can love God with a, with a passion. From verse 36, Jesus said, which is, the, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, to love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. One of the good questions to ask ourselves is, I just felt this so strong as it came to me, right in your heart right now, okay, I'm asking your head, I'm asking your heart, and we're not asking for an outward response. But I want you to get a, ask yourself this question in the depths of your heart. Do you really believe that God loves you? Do you really believe it? Right to the depths of your heart, do you really believe that God loves you? Now, when that is a, a real reality in us, then it opens a way for us to love God with a passion. Because here we're told... Imagine, if you love someone with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, then I would say that's passionate, wouldn't you say that? And what God is really saying to us, he doesn't want us to love him in a half-hearted way. God is not really into half-heartedness. How many have found that? He's not into lukewarmness. He's not into that kind of love. And the truth is, neither are you. How many would want somebody to love you half-heartedly? Is that right? How would you like for your close, intimate relationships for the person to love you in a half-hearted way? None of us kind of want that kind of Is that right? None of us want that kind of relationship where somebody loves you half-heartedly. We want someone to love us wholeheartedly with total and complete devotion. Is that right? And that's what God says. He says, I don't want you to love me in a half-hearted way. I want love that is absolutely passionate. That's fullness of heart. That's fullness of passion. Because that's the only love that I really delight in. Why is that? Because that's the love he has for you. Remember he says that we love him with the love he loved us. So the way I love God with the way he loved me is to love him back with fullness of passion and fullness of heart. 
that's the kind of love that God wants me to respond back to him. To love him with all that's in me. It's just, look, you just think of, 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 of the, the sphere of that love. I think passionate love for God should characterize every single believer. That's what should characterize us. That we are passionate lovers of God. That's the, the a hallmark. That's the basis of everything. If we haven't got that, then guess what? We haven't got anything else. Is that right? And we've got to keep that passionate because we can start off with passionate love. The real goal is to keep our hearts passionately in love with Jesus. It's almost like what can happen in marriage. As time goes on, people can slowly drift apart. And the passionate love they once knew slowly begins to be lost. And we've got to keep in our relationship with Jesus passionate love for him. Amen? We've got to keep that. We've got to guard that. We've got to make sure that we continually be, are characterized by passionate love for him. Just to notice as we look at this, that Jesus didn't call this the first option, but he called it the first commandment. And he says that, he says, cultivating love for him is the first emphasis of the Holy Spirit. I would put it this way. Loving Jesus with wholehearted passion is the key to everything. If this is not in place in our life, nothing else works. Nothing else works. It's like a ladder. Let me just think of it. It's like a ladder. Think of a ladder right now. Put a ladder against the wall. Now think of your life as progressively going up that ladder. Wouldn't it be awful that when you reached the top of the ladder, you suddenly found the ladder was against the wrong wall? And that's like life. The less we've really got a, a passionate love for God, then we're putting our ladder against the wrong wall. Nothing else works. Nothing else will come into place. Nothing else will, will, will actually kind of work in our lives until that's in place. Because this is the fundamental thing. This is the most vital thing of all. So we can have everything else in life, but if we don't love God with a passion, then we've lost what it's all about. This is the sheer foundation of what Jesus said. That I receive his love, and I love him back. That is the foundation of everything. That's what it's all about. That's the position. To be loved by God and to love him is the highest position in life. Can you say amen? Let's, let's look at a sphere of this love. Let's kind of dissect it. Look at, at the sphere of this love. Let me just say this as well. I found that really we're never truly satisfied or, or never truly in the purpose of God until this is in place. You know, I've found often that it's almost like it, if this is not aligned in our life, then nothing else seems to fit in. Nothing else seems to work. No much energy or strength or, what, or whatever manipulative ways we try, if this, is not, if this isn't aligned in our life, then nothing else really comes together. Nothing else works. Nothing else fits together. Nothing else truly satisfied except being loved by God and loving him back. Can you say amen? And he says this, you love him with all your what? Heart. Here's the first thing. That means that we engage our emotions to love God. I believe our love for God should touch our emotions without it becoming emotionalism. I think we can cultivate our emotions for God. To love Him. In other words, 
We love him by what we set our affections on. See, what you set your affections on, what you focus on, what you centre your life on is where your emotions will be. See, what I set my, my affections on is where my emotions will follow. If you set your, your affections on loving God, then the emotions follow that. In other words, whatever I set my focus on, that's where my love eventually follows. Have you found that? Have you found that? Look, have you wondered how people are so, so enthusiastic about something? Why is that? You know, some people can be incredibly enthusiastic about, about football or, or some sport. Or, or they can just be so enthusiastic about a certain thing. Why is that? Because, because they focused on that. Because they've focused their attention on that. Because that's what they've centred their life on. And what you centre your focus on, what you centre your affections on, that's where your emotions follow. So here's the incredible thing. I can love God with all my heart by centering my affections on Him. I love what Psalm 91 verse 4 says. It says, and there's incredible promises in Psalm 91. You know, those who dwell in the, in the secret place of the Most High God and God's going to protect them and all the amazing things that God's going to do in a person's life. But it says at the end of that psalm, this is how God responds to the psalmist. It says that I will... It says, this is what it says. It says that... It says, I'm going to bless him, basically, because he has set his love on me. He set his love on me. In other words, his heart has been set on him above all else. And really, the, the goal is, is to prevent our hearts being caught up with wrong emotions, resisting wrong emotions. Those things that, that harden our hearts. Because I think there's so many things that want to capture your affections. And so, the, the thing is, is, is to make sure that, that we are focused on him. That we set our mind on him, we set our heart on him, we, we set our focus on him. And don't allow anything else to be a competitor. Because the goal is not to allow anything else to capture our, 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 the affections of our heart. And that's the thing we've got to guard against. Because once something else begins to capture the affections of our heart, our love for God decreases. Why is that? Because God wants no competitors. Amen? It's got to be a heart that's solely given to him. I love what David said. He says, God, what, please protect me from a divided heart. Don't allow my heart to get divided and, and drawn to other things. And don't allow those things to captivate my heart that, that causes me to lose my captivation of you. Don't give me, keep me, protect me from a divided heart. So here's the first thing. To love God with all your heart is to make sure he's your focus. He's the centre of your affection. Second thing, it says, love the Lord thy God with all thy mind. We fill our minds with things that increase love for God rather than diminish it. You know, your mind is such a powerful thing. I realise that. That means that if, wrong, if, if I'm thinking wrong, I'm going to live wrong. 
As a man thinketh, so he is. If we think wrong, then we're going to behave wrong and we're going to live wrong. If I think right, I'll live right and behave right. And I can think in a certain way that can affect my love for God. In other words, if I allow the lies of the enemy to get into my heart, if I allow his deceit and his lies to get into my mind, it's going to affect my love for God. Amen? He's going to, he's going to feed lies into you that tells you that God doesn't love you, that you're not special for him, that you're not valued by him. And in certain ways, he's going to put lies into your mind. And those lies can actually begin to affect your love for God. Amen? That's why the Bible says we need to renew our minds. We need to allow the Word of God to change the way we think. Because the more the Word of God captures my thinking, then the more I'm going to love God. Amen? Because I've learned, and I'm trying to do this more and more, I'm trying, to word, I'm trying to read the Word of God so it stirs up love in my heart towards Him. I don't want to just read it just as a kind of academic exercise. I want to read the Word so the Word of God stirs up love of me towards Him. And that's what the Word wants to do in you. He wants to stir up the love in your heart towards God. To read that Word so that Word stirs up love in your hearts. And if we fill our minds with wrong thoughts and wrong things, then ultimately it begins to cause our love for God to grow cold. That's why Jesus says, love God with all your mind. Make sure your, your mind is growing and deepening in your understanding of how much he loves you so that you can love him with all your mind. I think often one of the big things is that we often are often casual about what we allow to come into our minds and into our thinking. We're very casual about it. Rather than realising that we've got to be really serious about what our minds think on. So we grow in love for him. Now the next thing, to love the Lord thy God with all thy strength. Now here's the interesting thing. It's not mentioned in Matthew's Gospel, but if you read that in Deuteronomy, what Jesus quoted, he does say, love the Lord thy God with all thy strength. That means with all your talents, with all your resources, with all your abilities, you love God with that. You use your, your, you use your resources, you use your abilities, you use your talents, you use your influence as a way to express our love for God. Isn't that wonderful? But I can use the very gift he gives me, I can use them back to love him, amen? And I love him with all my strength. There's the other one. I love him with all my soul. That speaks of your identity, who you are. See, one of the things that I think happens often in people's lives is that we get our identity from the wrong things. We get our identity from our achievements. We get our identity from, from people's applause or, or people's approval. And so people live their lives based on people's approval of them, based on their achievements, and that's where their identity is. How many realise that's never really truly satisfying? When your identity is based on that, it will, it will always fail you. Because you'll never fully achieve enough to feel satisfied with that. You'll never earn enough or have enough to be fully satisfied with that. You'll never be approved enough to be fully satisfied with that. The way you get your 
value, the way you find who you are is realizing your identity in God. What's your identity in God? The fact that you're loved by God and you love Him back. I've learned to, that's, that's how I've learned to, to define who I am. I'm a lover of God who is loved by God and, my, and I'm a deliverer of men. That's who I am. And when that becomes the very foundation of our identity, that's how we love God with all our soul. Because He's our identity. He's who we are, if you like. And that's my value. That's where I find my value. That's where I find my esteem in who I am in God. It will never be found anywhere else to, to be truly lasting or satisfying. Unless it's found in His love for me and my love for Him. So I love Him with all my soul. He say, Amen. Love Him with all your souls. Now, let me quickly talk about aspects of how we can love God. Here's the first way you love God. You love God by pursuing God. You pursue Him by... Let me show you one verse. Mark 3, verse 14. The way we love God, the way we love Him with all our mind, our heart and our strength is the first thing is that we, we pursue God. We pursue Him. There's an interesting verse here in Mark's Gospel. Mark 3, verse 14. I just see just a phrase here. He says, Then he appointed the twelve. Here's the first phrase. That they might be with him. First thing. And then he sent them out to preach. There's the first, can you see the first condition there? The first condition is, is the first priority is that Jesus appointed these twelve that they might be with him. That they might connect with him. And they realised that that was the priority of their life. Because you find in Acts 4 that when the Pharisees and the religious leaders take the disciples, remember they arrest them, and when they hear the way they speak, here's the phrase they use them, they realise they must have been with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? They said they realised they must have been with Jesus. When they saw their way of life, when they saw their boldness, when they saw their attitude, they realised they must have been with Jesus. I'd love that to be said of every one of us this morning. They must have been with Jesus. Because they are so like Jesus, they must have been with him. Is that right? So that's the way we love him to begin with. We pursue him. You're in his presence. How do you pursue him? I tell you, the first way you pursue God is through praise. If you want to really encounter God, if you really want to encounter his presence, the Bible says we enter his courts with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Praise is the way you encounter God. And I'm talking about enthusiastic, zealous praise. Let me give you one psalm. There's so many psalms we could use, but I kind of like this one. Psalm 47, verse 1. I just think praise is such a vital part of you pursuing God. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. For the Lord God is most high and awesome. He's the great king over all the earth. I just think praise is so vital to bring us into the presence of God. Amen. The Bible says God's enthroned on the praise of his people. In other words, he's, he builds a throne. He builds a place of rule in your praise. 
I think it's one of the most vital things you can do. When you praise him, and it's hard to praise him, when you don't feel like praising him, when tears are rolling down your face and you just lift up your heart and praise him, I tell you what, that's the most precious thing to God. And God always responds back with his presence. And if we want to be a people that really pursue God, that really encounter him, because do you think about it, praise is expressing our love for God, is that right? That's how we express our love for him, by praise. We praise him. And we say, God, I love you so much, you're so amazing, you're so awesome, I want to thank you and praise you. You think about it. In a relationship, how will that relationship ever develop and grow if there's no appreciation for that person, is that right? So how can we really grow in God's presence unless we appreciate who he is? So there's the first thing. I encounter him through praise. The second thing is this. I encounter him through worship. Amen. Praise means I thank God for, for what he does. Worship is when I worship him for who he is. I just worship God. I express my love for him. When was the last time you, tell, you told God you loved him? When was the last time you said, God, I really love you. I love you with all my heart. And worship is opening your heart, pouring your heart out to God and saying, God, I just love you with everything that's in me. Isn't that simple? Do that every day. Tell God you love him every day. Express your love for him. Pour your heart out to him. Tell him how amazing he is. Tell him how awesome he is. Tell him how great he is. Let me give you my favorite, one of my favorite verses, my favorite stories in the whole Bible. And it's found in, in Mark's Gospel, Mark 14, verse 18, because worship is not just singing songs. How many realize worship is a lifestyle? Worship is an expression of your devotion to Jesus. And I just love this story because it speaks to me of the incredible devotion of love that God wants from us. And it's a challenge. It really, it's, I term this verse, this story here, as extravagant love poured out. Loving Jesus with total, utter abandonment and extravagance. How many want to be like that? And there's a, a story that to me reveals it. Mark 14, verse 8. So let's try verse 3. And we're not actually told the, the woman in this story, but in the other Gospels we're told it's Mary of Bethany. And I just love Mary of Bethany because I think she's a, just an incredible description of, 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 of the lovers that God wants in this day. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spignard. Then she broke the flask and poured it out on the head. There were some who were indignant among themselves, saying, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii, given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not always have. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. As surely I say to you, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, this woman's, what she has done will be told as a memorial. Isn't that awesome? You know what that, what that story tells me? It tells me this. That we can either live our life living in minimum or we can express our love with maximum. You say, sometimes we want to live our Christian lives. You know, what's the minimum I can do and get away with it kind of thing? 
That's not devotion. What God looks for is, is for wholehearted, total devotion. This is what the Bible says in another gospel. It says that, that the, the ointment she poured out was worth one year's wages. In other words, that was probably her savings. That was her life savings. They often invested it in, in, in other things. That, they, that she would keep that as her life savings. And she took what was her life savings and says, I just want to show an act of absolute, total devotion to Jesus. I want to pour out the best I have for him. I want to give an act of absolute abandonment devotion. Isn't it interesting? The carnal criticized her. And that's true. Whenever you see acts of devotion, the carnal will never understand acts of devotion to Jesus. To them it will always be a waste. But to Jesus, he said it's the most amazing thing. And he says that woman, you think about it, she wasn't known for her talent. She wasn't known for her preaching ability. She wasn't known for her organisational skills. Yet, the gospel about her is going to be preached because of her one act of incredible devotion to Jesus. That's what meant so much to him. He says, what she's done is going to be known to the whole world because she showed such an incredible act of loving devotion to me. And that's what God wants. These loving acts of devotion that we pour out to him. People said it's a waste. You know, the truth is, the reality is, Every one of us is going to waste our life on something, if we think about it. John Wimmer tells a story. He says, I was walking, he was walking up the road and he, and he saw this sign on someone's... Remember those... They used to wear these sandwich boards, remember that? And he saw on this sandwich wall, this guy says, I'm a fool for Christ. And he says, that's, the, that, that's absolutely right, that guy is a fool. But then he, he said afterwards, on the back of the board was this, Whose fool are you? In other words... Everybody's a fool after something. I'd rather be a fool for Christ. We're going to waste our lives on something. It could be just our own living. It could be all kinds of stuff that we, we give our lives to, that we, we, we pour our lives out of. We could just pour our lives to all kinds of things. All kinds of things we can pour our lives out to. Things in the cold light of day don't really mean anything. Amen. They don't truly satisfy us. They don't truly mean our heart. But Jesus says, this woman has poured out her best to me. We're all going to waste our lives on something. It could be the desire for other things. It could be relationships. It, it could be careers. It could be all kinds of things that we pour our lives into. How many would say the greatest thing you can ever do is pour your life out for Jesus? To pour your life out to him is the greatest, amazing way to live your life. And here's the thing what I'm saying. It's an act of worship. You're just pouring out your heart, saying, Jesus, I'm pouring out everything I am to you as an act of devotion, as an act of loving worship to you. I'm pursuing you. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing, very quickly. We pursue God. The next way we demonstrate love for God is, is, with, is by obedience. Look at John 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. 
You can't separate loving God from responding to his word. Jesus says, if you really love me, then the way you measure the love is that you obey my commandments. You obey what I tell you to do. That's how you measure how much you love me. Isn't that powerful? That's how we measure how much we love him. He says, and here's the amazing thing. If I would just obey him, I want you to see something today, right now. That obeying God's word actually is the manufacturer's handbook for your life. The, way you, the best way to live your life is according to his word. That's how I live my life. And that's the best way to live life. Is that right? I don't know one person who ever said, I obey God's word and my life now is a total failure. I obey God's word and everything, you know, my life is a total mess because I obey God's word. How many have ever met someone who said that? I've met plenty who've messed their life up because they didn't obey God's word. Amen? And God says, if you would do what I tell you to do, then you're going to live the greatest life. You're going to benefit from it. If you live your life according, if you guide your life, if you base your life on my word, how you manage your finances, how you manage your relationships, how you make your decisions, if you manage your life exactly according to my word, then you will always benefit and you will always see positive results from that. Can you say amen? Now notice what he says. He says, if you obey me, I will manifest myself to you. You begin to encounter his presence. He becomes more and more real to you the more you obey him. As I obey him, he says, I'm going to show myself. You're going to, you're going to see such a, a manifestation of my presence if you would obey me. Let me give you one more verse on this. 1 John 3.14 Sorry, 1 John 5.3 It's interesting that isn't it interesting that John's Gospel and the, the epistles of John the whole focus is love. Talking about identity do you know how John terms himself how, how he describes himself? He describes himself in his gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't that awesome? And everything he did came out of his understanding of, of love. And look what he says here in 1 John 5 verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments, notice this, are not burdensome. I want you to get a hold of that. I remember when I was first saved, I went to oh, the church I was saved in in Birmingham. We, we were quite near the Bible college, BBI, Bible, Bible Institute. And that was a college actually where many missionaries came to that college. All over the world, missionaries came and came to that college to study. And so test me after test me was God say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to the outbacks of some jungle somewhere and, and, you know, and I'm going to some remote distant village and, and so all the testimonies were these amazing missionaries who were going to all over the world. And in my mind, I thought, actually, to be committed to God means I'm going to be sent to the furthest, darkest places of the jungles. That's what I thought in my mind. In other words, the more harder it was, the more crazy the, the situation was, the more, I, the more you kind of love God. And I kind of had this idea that obeying God was something burdensome, something horrible that God would always make life hard for me and difficult for me. He'd send me to places I really didn't want to go. And, 
And that was my mind. His commandments were burdensome and hard. Until I realized this one important thing. That obeying God is not a burden, it's a pleasure. I obey God not because out of some legalistic obligation. I obey God because I love him. And I want to please him. I probably shared before that in our early part of me and Angie's marriage, I didn't get good presents. You know, I'd buy bad presents. Bad presents. I'm saying bad, bad. Uh, because I kind of thought this was the present that I would like to buy her. Rather than actually, would that really please her? It pleased me, but would it please her? You know, I heard guys who, who'd buy their wives an exercise bike. Bad idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> or a pair of football boots, or I don't know, something. At the end of the day, it's what does that, does that please that person? And that's the way we, we grow in relationship. You know, one of the things we do when we do the marriage courses is, is what actually, what's that need, that person? What, what, really, what can you do can, that can really express your love to that person? In other words, love has got a language, is that right? How do I express that love language to, to, to my spouse? How do I do that? Because I would like that, but it doesn't mean she likes that. You see what I'm saying? Gifts. So some people like gifts. Some people like, love to be approved and built up and encouraged. We all have different needs. And there's a love language that speaks to that need. And it's the same with God. I obey him because, Lord, does that please you? I want to do that which pleases you because I love you. And because I love you, I want to, I want to do things that please you. Is that right? So if I really love God, how do I please him? I please him by obeying him. And it's out of my desire to please him that obedience flows. Can you say amen? Here's the last thing, really. There's two others, but I'll quickly go over these. My love for God is expressed in my love for people. Let me just show you one verse. 1 John 3, verse 14. Same chapter, so I'm going to read verse 4. It says this. We know that we are passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. 1 John 4 verse 20. It says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? In other words, the way I express my love for God is how I express my love for people. Can you see that? See, if I'm full of bitterness and hardness and, and, and I don't ever show people the love, to, if I don't ever really express love for people, then it reveals how little I've understood of God's love for me. The way I express love for God is how I express love for my brothers and sisters. I can't say I really love God when I don't express any kind of love for my brothers and sisters, the way I love God is demonstrated in how I love my brothers and sisters. Can you say amen? It's a powerful truth. Some people say, well, you know, I'm not into people. If you're into God, you'll always be into people. Because God's into people. And the love that God has put in you will always be expressed in love for people. We love God often by expressing our love. And I found this. The more you express your love for people, 
the more your love for God grows. It's amazing, isn't it? It really is amazing. So the more I pour my love out to people, the more my love for him grows. It's a song. I think it's Misty Edwards, her name is. That's the worship, isn't it? She's got a song. What does love look like? You think, well, what does love, what does, it look, what does love really look like? In other words, how do we, how is incarnate love revealed and demonstrated? You see, to someone who's starving, that love is, man, is, is, is manifested by feeding them, is that right? If someone who's in need, that love is manifesting by meeting that need. To someone who's hurting, then that love is man- manifested by being a listening ear. To someone who's broken, that love is manifested by comforting and encouraging and building them up. Is that right? So I've got to say, Lord, how can that love be best revealed to that person? I want to love that person. I want to encourage that person. But how do I reveal it? How do I, how, what does love mean to them? As you begin to move in that way, I tell you what, the love of God's going to fill your heart. Isn't that right? Let me close by this. The final way we can develop love for God is the cross. It's the cross. The cross. We can know about the cross, but I believe with all my heart we need to learn to embrace the cross. Paul said this, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. In other words, he says, I've never really got, ever got over the cross. I stand in awe. I stand in wonder how powerful, how amazing the cross is. I've never really got over the cross. And the more you understand the cross, the more your love for Jesus will burn. I just love time and time again to read about what Jesus did for me on the cross. It's rightly called the passion. Passionate love, is that right? To go through what Jesus went through is passionate, extravagant love. And when that really gets a hold of my heart, I just say, Jesus, if you love me so much, then how can I not love you back? Amen. The more the cross gets a hold of me, the more I learn to love him. I pray today the cross will so grip your heart, it will get a hold of you. You know what they said? This is just a legend. I don't know if it's true or not. But they once said about John, I think it was John the Apostle, no, no, it was some apostle of John, that's the best way to describe it. They, he said, when I'm died, cut my heart out. And on my heart, you will find the sign of the cross. And when they did, that's what they found. He loved Jesus so much, he had a mark of the cross on his heart. Isn't that awesome? I pray the cross would so get a hold of us that we would just love Jesus with everything that's in us. Because we've realised what he did for us. The pain of it. The awesomeness of it. And we just love him with so much love back. In essence, God says, I pour my love into you so that you will love me with an extravagant love back. Let me close by saying this. I think in these last days, what God is restoring back to the church is restoring back the first commandment. That's what I believe he's doing. All over the world, people are beginning to discover that they, they're loving Jesus with a great passion. It's all over the world, people are beginning to fall in love with Jesus in awesome ways. And God is restoring back to the church the first commandment. Because unless that's in place, nothing else is going to work. Amen? Because there's the thing as I close with this. What's the last 
revelation that God wants to pour into the heart of the believer. You know who it is? It's the revelation of the bridegroom. That's what he's that's the revelation he's pouring back into the church. That Jesus is the bridegroom. Because what's the last cry of the church? The bridegroom. The bride says, Come, Lord Jesus, come. A revelation of the bridegroom. It captivates the heart. And there's a cry that echoes out. Come, Lord Jesus. We're so in love with you. We just want you to come. It's not some legalistic saying. It's some deep, passionate extremities of love. Come. We need you. We're in love with you. Come, Lord Jesus. And here's the real question. Right in your heart right now. How much passion do you love Jesus with? Because that's what he's looking for. A restoration of the first commandment in your heart. Let's just stand for him right now as we just come before him. Amen. I just want you to open your heart to these moments and say, Lord, today, I just want to love you with such a passion. I want to love you with deep devotion. I want to love you with a with a devo- with 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 a, with a band. I want to love you with such with such love, with such amazing love. I want to love you with. I want to love you with extravagant love, in whatever way that expresses itself. Without it, nothing else will truly satisfy your heart. Just open your heart to now and say, Lord, today, I want to love you with everything that's in my being, my mind, my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. I want to love you with that today. Maybe this is music plays right now. Just love him right now in this moment. Say, Lord, I love you today. Just tell him you love him. Maybe you haven't told him you loved him for a long time. And you're just going to say, Jesus, I love you today. I want to tell you I love you. I want to tell you how wonderful you are to me. I want to tell you I love you. Above all else, I love you so much. Stir love in my heart. Help me to love you with that passionate love. Help me to be like Mary of Bethany, just pouring out extravagant love. Let me pour that extravagant love out. Just see yourself right now pouring extravagant love out for Jesus. You're at his feet and you're loving him and you're telling him how much you love him and you're wasting your life out on him right now. Tell him you love him so much. How precious he is. How wonderful he is. Just have a God encounter in these moments of love, just loving him.